Bull releases Moana Mataeli. Slips away from him and he's got too close to that. Oh, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kelneruck, a podcast where we discuss all things rugby. I'm the host of the Kelneruck, Stacey, and today we welcome our usual panel of knowledgeable rugby enthusiasts. So let me start by introducing everyone. Firstly, we have from the uh, city of the future and a Ponsonby rugby stalwart, uh, Joey. Joey, thanks for coming on, brother. Thank you once again for having me. All good, bro. Uh, secondly, we have uh, from West Auckland, a diehard blues fan and the host of the Back of the 135 podcast, Cameron. Cam, thanks for coming on, bro. Thanks for having me, man. What's up, everyone? Cheers, man. And last but not least, uh, we have back by popular demand from the fans, uh, uh, a Papakura rugby man and another blues fan as well. Saleh, Saleh, thanks for coming back, brother. No, no worries. Thanks for having me back on. No, cheers, bro. Um, all right, so I'll take care of some housekeeping things before we start off boys um so our website is up and running so check us out www.wizwiznet.com and also you can follow the counter ruck on twitter and facebook so give us a follow and give us a like okay so uh boys a few things happened in the world of rugby over the past week since our last podcast that i wanted us to look through so firstly um the bus julian savia he signed back to play for the hurricanes which is a boost for you know, franchise is basically on a four-match winning streak, so they'll be hoping to come home with the um, quite strongly. And also, I saw on the um, Te Volvo Facebook page, I found this interesting bit of uh, on New Zealand rugby. They've got a proposal for Super Rugby 2020. So they've tabled three options experience Tasman competition to replace Super Rugby next year. And one of the positives to come out of it from our perspective, I guess, is they've got uh, all three options include uh, Pacific Island side. So uh, New Zealand Rugby plans to form an eight or 10 team competition with a season penciled to start in late February or early March next year and conclude with a June 19 final. So the, the union, New Zealand union, is adamant about having all five of their Super Rugby franchises involved with two spots available for the Australian teams and one for the Pacific Island side in the proposed 18 tournament. Um, however, the 18 competition is in, uh, in the proposal has resulted in a very public spat between New Zealand Rugby and Rugby Australia, with Aussies working on a Plan B competition without New Zealand, an 18 competition featuring all five Australian teams, as well as a team from Fiji, Argentina and Japan. Uh, the Sunwolves from Japan. So New Zealand's come up with a counteroffer of a um, a team team competition, and so they've got the three uh, options which I wanted us to have a look at. So option one, which was which I just spoke about, was the eight teams: so five from New Zealand, two from Australia, and one Pacific Island team that they came up with, um, and that's going to just be uh, 
regular 15-week round robin and then the semi-finals. The option two that New Zealand rugby has come up with is the 10-team one, which is five New Zealand teams, four Australian teams, and one Pacific Island team, uh, where they play, four teams play each other twice, and you play five teams once, which is a bit messy. And then option three, which again is the 10 teams, so the, the same teams, five New Zealand, four Australian, and one Pacific Island team, 15-week uh, regular season in the semifinals and finals. So there's quite a lot to take in there, boys, but I wanted to... Um, just get our thoughts on the, the competition format for next year and if you guys had a preferred option. So, um, Joey, mate, what did you take out of all of that with um, the Pacific Island teams being in, involved in next year's Super Rugby competition? And did you have a preference on the format out of those three options? Yep. Yep, and yep. So, <clears throat> the first, my first thoughts when I um, first came across the... Um, the notion or the concept or the idea to have such a breakaway competition was um, what spurred New Zealand rugby to do this, right? Now, maybe going a bit too deep here, but I thought, okay, here is New Zealand rugby um, I need to be careful with my words here. Here is New Zealand rugby um, <clears throat> Offering to uh, break away from, well, threatening to break away from Sanzar and and all the rest of it. But what spurred it on? And I thought, okay, hold on a minute. Is it is it a kind of coincidence that New Zealand rugby are doing this when just recently there has been, you know, the unveiling of the idea of the Kanaloa rugby team in the MLR competition in 2021. You know, and, and I also thought even deeper than that, is the is this a last-ditch effort for New Zealand rugby to be seen as uh, a saviour of Pacific Island rugby and truly globalising the game by adding a potential Fijian-based super team? Or... Is this just a way for New Zealand to do what they've always done and have a stronghold on New Zealand-based local Pacific Island rugby talent and stop them from going to these kind of law teams, going to any other team and potentially representing their Pacific Islands, their heritage, therefore, one, weakening the New Zealand game in the long run and or strengthening the island teams who will potentially become tier one. So that's my first thought on that. And second, to answer the second part of your question, um, my my thoughts go with the option that provides more games. So the one that has the most games, I think is 79 games is the highest option there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. so that, uh, that, option three. Option three. Yeah, yeah that, that would be the one that would be the one that I I'd lean towards just because I want to see more top quality rugby at that level. So, yeah, that's me for that. Nice. Um, yeah, how about you, Sally? What, you, what is your take on um, on the, these proposals and, and the makeup of a new Pacific Island team as well for next no, season? Yeah, yeah, it's no, definitely interesting. Um, I believe it just all comes down to the criteria that is required for players to be available for selection for that Pacific Island team. 
Um, I get where Joey's coming from as well, and I definitely understand his standpoint. I, I believe in the long run it should benefit both parties because it'll be, a, comp uh, it'll be a, a grouping of Pacific Island players. So unlike, say, the Sunwolves and the Jaguares, who have really benefited from joining the Super Rugby competitions, most of their players are all international players, um, meaning like they go on to represent Argentina or Japan. And that's probably why they've done really strong in the last two World Cups. Whereas um, this new Pacific Island team, it'll be certain different players from different representing nations. And, it, and it's real, uh, the, it'll be real hard for any of these nations to probably ascend as quick as the other two teams only because it'll be different players so the key the, the good thing about those um, the super rugby teams is that they all their key drivers and all their key leaders pretty much were the same drivers and the leaders for the international team whereas I think Fiji would probably be the more dominant um, out of the group of um, players selected because they've they've, pre pre they've played pretty much well the last couple of um, last couple of years, uh, including the World Cup year, um, it, it, it all depends. I don't know how the, the the selection would be, but I, I think it's it's pretty good. If if anything, I I believe that NZR have probably heard the cries from the Pacific, um, as well as former players. All of the former, a lot of former All Blacks have come out and and pretty much you know um, contested them in terms of um, how you know the, we've. We all know there's quite a few um, Pacific Island players who are one and done, you know, and it's ruled them out of representing um, their mother, the motherland, or uh, a different nation. So, if if anything, if 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 this can help them, if if this having this team can help, maybe change the rules up in terms of um, eligibility, then I hope that's one of the key areas that they're looking at. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it will be good to see um, Pacific nations still represented in the Super Rugby. I, I mean, it will be uh, reminiscent of the, the, the old days, the Super 10, uh, when we did have some um, some Pacific teams um, in, the, in the Super competition. Um, you got the likes of Adi Savia saying he wouldn't mind representing a Pacific Island nation, and we all know what that guy's like. He's, he's um, even though he does represent the All Blacks, but he's pretty much someone and wears it on his sleeve hard. So uh, that be that would be pretty cool if if NZ, especially NZR would allow some of those players um, to obviously move into those kind of teams as well. Yep, some very good points there. Uh, it's quite interesting to see how they do the um, the selection criteria as well. And Joey, some very good points about the timing. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but it's good. You know, I think they New Zealand. Rugby and rugby in general are quite, you know, there's a lot of self-interest there. So it's interesting they've come forward now that, you know, this colour kind of law teams come forward. But what about you, Cam? What what's your um, take on the whole thing? <clears throat> I think my take on the Pacific Island team for Super Rugby, I think we just need more information on what what the makeup of that team is going to be. If it's going to be a lot of uh, Super Rugby players um, coming back, or you know, a team like um, like the Sunwolves, and are these players going to be um, X or all Blacks or ex-Australian players. So if you're talking about growing the game in the Pacific Islanders, what, what kind of, what players are going to be making up that team? If it's saturated with ex-international players, then then you're not going to have any room for 
for the guys from the islands. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, <clears throat> as far as the competition goes, with the three options, without looking at the options, I'd like to see if, if we're talking about Australia, New Zealand, and uh, one Pacific Island team. When I think about Australia, you wouldn't want to have too many Australian teams in, in the in the new in the new format, just because they're they're too spread out with their players. Maybe you want two or three Australian teams just to be competitive for, for the Super Rugby. And I know Joey said he want he wanted more games, but for me, maybe a bit less games and so more uh, a bit less but more quality games like games that are with, with so much at stake. Like uh, I I really like how the um, Super Rugby Aotearoa has gone on so far because you know every game counts so i think having less games is is good for that i probably agree with uh, both uh, joey and cam on this one because when you are talking about the format all i'm thinking in my head is that's five points for the blues that's five points for the blues so the more <laughs> the more the, i i i mean the more for me it's like with the blues doing really well this year man like uh, i'll be interested to see just the format be extended because i feel like most of those teams then they can help towards the Blues future success in terms of getting bonus point and getting their PD up that's just me being a selfish Blues supporter <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah um, there's some good points there I think one thing like pre-COVID is there's always those games like the Sunwolves games which are quite easy wins so teams are quite um, uh, they're, they're quite full on sorry my chat's in the background so um, yeah, um, so they can they can be quite full on and quite easy wins. So it was diluted the competition, I thought. So I the initial proposal that the New Zealand rugby put forward was the eight team format. So five New Zealand teams, two Australian teams, and one Pacific Island team, because they thought from the rugby perspective that that will be competitive. And though I agree with that, um, it's probably when you look at the financials and the TV money, it's not sustainable. And Australia didn't want it because they can't run a competition and run the rugby union with only two teams. So I do think there's going to have to be a bit of a um, bit of leeway on that front. We may have some teams that aren't quite as good um, just to make up the numbers and, and get the, the TV money that they need. But one thing that um, came to mind, just touching on what Joey mentioned before, we've heard some pretty horrible stories about Pacific Island players getting um, exploited over in Europe, um, getting ripped off financially, not being looked after. So one thing that could come out of it is if we have the team based here, at least I think we'd do a better job of looking after them, particularly if it's based in Auckland, which it probably will more than likely be. Um, just some of the horror stories I've heard from professional players and ex-players um, um, from Samoa and all the rest of it and how they've been pressured into not you know, just playing for their clubs and all the rest of it. It's, it's quite quite some sad stories. So I do think that that could be one positive to come out of the uh, – out of that, that new Pacific Island team. And we've been crying out for a, a Pacific team in, in Super Rugby for like almost 20-odd years or however long it's been running. So it's good that this looks like it might be a reality. So uh, there's some thoughts there. But have you guys got anything else you just want to add on this before we look forward, uh, anyone? When you talk about timing, when you talk about timing, you, you think about that um, kind of Lord team that was proposed as well. So. Yeah, it's just it was it was quite interesting. Like Joey mentioned, how they 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 came up with this proposal. They're trying to get it in a professional team in, which would have probably sucked, potentially sucked a lot of um, players out of the New Zealand uh, Pacific players from New Zealand. And now New Zealand have jumped on board and say, okay, no, we can't have that. We will uh, look for some a new competition. But uh, all right, boys. Um, 
with that in mind, we'll, we'll move on to our, our next part, which is our, our review system. So on Saturday night, the Crusaders um, played Hurricanes down in Christchurch. And Hurricanes came up with an upset of sorts, I suppose you could say, 34 to 32. So, uh, Sally, mate, I'll come to you first, brother. Did you catch that game? And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, I caught the game. I caught the second half. Um, yeah, I, I just had some stuff on, but uh, I rushed home to, to catch the second half just to see. Um, I was following the game through the phone, but I probably didn't do it much justice when I watched the replay again. Um, man, I thought the Canes probably... Nah, actually, the Canes really played well and they just carried on with the momentum from last week's win uh, against the Blues as well. Um, if anything, I give my hats off to probably... Um, what's his name? Uh Peter Umanga Jensen, man, like he shut down Goodhue pretty much right up until he got injured. And I've most of the um, most of the Crusaders, um, their players, when they go wide, it's all based off the the second five in the centre. And I feel like Lomapi and Peter Umanga Jensen shut them down there and didn't really have go much uh, go forward ball. Um, again, two weeks in a row, the forward pack for the Hurricanes really stood up. For um, um, I suffer more. His throws were were on point and even as his ball carrying as well as his defense um that whole i think the the win against the blues has pretty much pulled them together and uh, put some belief into that squad especially that that um forward pack and uh the way that they're playing you know uh, not much of a big forward pack that but they're pretty much um playing out of their skin right now um and just you know the backs if oh man they're just just playing just smart ball just playing in the right area um, capitalizing on any opportunity, Jordy Barrett's, uh, I would say probably the f the form fullback right now. Good thing I like about Jordy is that it puts other teams and other defenses on check because any time you get a penalty within the fifty, he's he's going to clear it. And as a player, that's the one thing you don't want to do is, is is have ill discipline or give away a penalty that you know that. You've, there's a guy opposite that can kick it from anywhere. So, now mad reps for the Hurricanes. Even the Crusaders, they played. You can never count them out. And Monga pretty much almost, almost brought them back into the game. He missed that tying kick, um, and it would have been interesting to see how it would have unfolded in overtime. But yeah, like I said, no, that's full credit to the Hurricanes. They played well, and um, yeah, thank you for helping the Blues' chances. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, I 100% agree about the Blues, mate. What about you, Cam? So how did you see that one? Well, you know what? First, I want to say that this that weekend, that's why you wanted your results to go if you're a Blues fan. So, really happy with with what happened in the weekend. Um, that game in Christchurch, you know, I, I like to think that the that the the Blues actually showed the Hurricanes the way because we lost to the Crusaders down there, not by much. You know, we had to we we had to go through Richie Mong and taking over the game at, at the end of that at the end of the second half, and so he did. Pretty much did the same thing to the Hurricanes, but the Hurricanes hung in there, and they were just lucky that he missed that last kick. So nice, yep, I agree with all that. How about you, Joey? Mate, how did you see that one? Awesome game. Uh, obviously, Crusaders being the champs and knowing how to play in the big games, um, they pretty much refused to back down the whole game. And um, there were some standouts for me. One from Crusaders was um, sorry, yeah, Maunga, obviously, um, but. Peter Martin, I thought, was amazing. He was awesome. Um, scoring in the clutch, 
Um, also, Wes Goosen with the double. I thought he was. I thought that was good to get a double under his name. Um, was uh, was quite timely for them. Um, also, the try by George Bridge from the Crusaders' loss. If you're a Crusader, but yeah, like like Cam said, you know, as a Blues fan, it was nice to see Canes get up. That is. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good game. I thought um, it went the way of the Canes when everyone probably expected um, Crusaders to win. They have lost that moment. Yep. Yeah, so you're right. The four years they haven't lost, so I think in our tips last week, we all picked the Crusaders. Just a <laughs> lot of it had to do with that reason. They haven't lost... That was the 36 consecutive games they had won uh, at home for four years. So it was a bit of a shock. You know, one thing. Eh? Mm, yeah, both times yeah. to the Canes. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, oh, no, one thing I, I thought was um, that they lost Havili and they lost uh, Eno and all the, these quality guys before the game. So when you look at the Crusaders this year, normally it's quite close for 60 minutes. And then they bring on their bench in the last quarter. And that's when they usually, those guys normally win it. But they didn't have that same quality uh, bench guys, you know, with Harvey and and Eno and a couple of other guys out. So they couldn't rely on them to to get them home, which is their their normal formula. So I thought that was uh, quite quite a significant point. You guys mentioned Umanga Jensen, and he's going to have to keep being good because I think Lomape, you mentioned uh, in in our chat there, Joey, he's picked up uh, an injury of some kind, uh, I think a wrist injury. So he could be, uh, uh, he's probably out for the rest of the season, which is unfortunate for him because I thought he was, um, he was playing really good. Um, I thought for Moore was good. And, um, you know, you brought up Geordie Barrett there. Um, Sally, I, if, if I was the, the All Blacks were being named tomorrow, I'd probably start him at fullback if they had a test this week. So I'm just curious what you guys thought around, around the fullback position because I know uh, Will Jordan is another guy who's been in that conversation. So just get your thoughts on, on that, Sally. What just because you, what up, Jordy Barrett? If you were picking an All Blacks team for a test on Saturday, who would you pick in the 15? Uh, depends who's 10. If Bowden's at 10, then I'll put McKenzie at fullback. Um, I, I, Jordy has been the form fullback. Um, I just can't disregard any of McKenzie's. Like pre injury, uh, the whole d- dual playmaker role was pretty much. Bet- Founded on um, Bowden and and McKenzie being at the back, so uh, I'll still stick with those two. And uh, man, I, I really want Bowden to push to still be at ten, um, but I can't fault um, Jordy as well because he hasn't put any he hasn't yeah put any foot wrong. Uh, having a f- like again his his kicking, and he he's just improved in terms of his own confidence within his own play. Uh, he hasn't shied away from any of the big moments, especially where there's clutch goal kicking. So uh, either or, I, I, I still stay with um, McKenzie only because of the excitement factor and that he can just pretty much open up a game by himself. Uh, but if the selectors were to go ahead with Jordi, I'd be okay with that as well. Nice. How about you guys? How about you, Cam? So would you, would you uh, have a, is your back, full back at the moment? 
You know, I was just thinking about the form um, 15s right now, and I'm thinking, you know, up there you got Jordy Barrett, you got Will Jordan, and you got probably um, Damien McKenzie up there. And I think I'll put Damien McKenzie first. Uh, if I compare those three guys, you know, you got you got Will Jordan there. He's a he's a, he's a spectacular uh, runner. He's a, he's a really good runner. You haven't seen a, you haven't seen much of a kicking game from him. You, you see more of a kicking game with Jordy Barrett, and he's a good goal kicker too. And I think. Um, what you get with Damien McKenzie, you, you, you get all of those. I'll put D-Mac in there in my, as my uh, All Black starting 15. Mm. Well, how about you, Joey? Mate? How, how do you see that fullback pedal? Oh, pretty much the same as the guy. Um, I can't disagree with the fact that D-Mac is the form All Blacks 15, if you're talking on an international level. Um, his Super Rugby team done well to give him but even still, in these losing games, he's he showed his hand. He showed touches of class, and you know I think his is his point of difference. The the guy is smaller than the rest, sure, but I think you know just watching those international games and watching Chiefs games, you can't fault the guy's heart. So he does bring to the table the full repertoire of a fullback as well, like Cam alluded to. So. Um, it's, it's hard to keep him out of the team as the starting fullback. Um, I would even over Barrett if it was between the two of them. Yes. Bowden Bo- Barrett, you mean? Yeah. Bowden Barrett. What about... Uh, I'd start him at full- yeah. What about I'd Harry start Plummer? Him at fullback over Bowden. <laughs> hey, Joey, what about Harry Plummer at fullback? Hey, Joey, what about Harry Plummer at fullback? <laughs> Harry Plummer. <laughs> There's no story not out in the podcast. Isn't he a Ponsonby, <laughs> Is he a I'm a TJ Fayani fan. Yeah, he should play fullback for Ponsonby. That's what he should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, my guy. Yeah. Uh, I could have met Tuffy though in that first try. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good points about that uh, about that game. And yeah, it's hard to argue with anything you guys mentioned about the fullback, fullback play with McKinsey. So, um, one thing we know is that there's fullbacks, all the fullbacks really are, are in good form for the all-around. So the all-blacks can't really go wrong in any selections. But if we haven't got anything more on that game, boys, uh, we'll look at the Sunday afternoon game. So the Blues played the Chiefs at Eden Park, with the Blues taking it out 21-17. to So uh, Cam's mate, I'll come to you first, brother. How did you see that one? Man, I was rushing back from lunch. Um I had a late lunch and uh, managed to catch the game uh, probably five minutes ago in the first half. So I watched the game from there. But man, that was an exciting game. That was a really um, edge of your seat stuff, especially at the end in there. Um, yeah, man, I was just like, I was just, <laughs> I was just a nervous wreck uh, the last ten minutes of the game, and um, now I'm just happy that they they pulled through. But that defense, man, damn. They've had good defense all year, and 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 that that just shows eh? just shows what what that defense can do, man. Like, man, I don't know how many times, how many chances um, the Chiefs had, but on our line, you know, and that was like, man, that was that was He-Man kind of stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah. Nah, happy for the result. 
Yeah, nice. Uh, we had Ray, Ray Nui, a Blues uh, hooker on here previously, and he mentioned that Tana, Tana Umang is the defence coach there at the Blues, and he's done a pretty good job after stepping down as the head coach. So good on him, and he deserves a lot of credit for the defensive systems that the Blues have got there. So, But, um, yeah, Sally, um, how did you see that one, brother? Did you catch the game on, on Sunday? Yeah, yeah. Did you go to the game? No, no, I don't go to the game this week. Um, um, but, I, um, yeah, I watched the game, and it was a real good game. Um, I th- felt like um, the Blues could have dominated a bit more. Um, if anything, out I got out of this game was the inconsistencies of the referee and the and the calling. Um, you you see the same stuff get pinged um, in the game with the Hurricanes and Crusaders, and it just gets caught differently in the Blues and the Chiefs. And um, the penalty count oh, it was ridiculous. It was I think. 15-3 or something. Oh, I'm not too sure on those numbers, but I know the penalty count was um, it favoured the Chiefs and um, rightly so. Palmer got you know Simbin at the end of the game, but um, yeah, the, the interpretation at the Rock needs to be cleaned up a bit more. Um, but I, I was happy with the Blues win. Uh, they should have closed it off um, sooner. Um, there was a, there, there was quite a few opportunities when they got the ball in the 22 and they just couldn't. You know, uh, there was times where it just felt like if they're if they're not going forward, then they looked a bit lost, and that's kind of what happened in the last ten minutes against the Hurricanes as well. So I feel like there's it's a positive that they won, but I'm pretty sure that the the coaches as well as the players know that there's heaps of uh, heaps to work on. Again, I was always glad to take the the W and uh, agree with Cam. You know, it was it was a stressful stressful watch, especially the last ten minutes. But give it up to the Chiefs as well. They played well. Um, they played right to the end, and to be honest, I yeah. Even though the the defense has been playing well um, for the Blues, but there's always those memories from past years where you know we know how to lose a game. So until we finish off the season and and hopefully we finish well, um, I'll still be having those memories there when it comes to any sort of tight games. Speaking about those memories, man. You know, if this was Blues from the previous yeah. six, six, seven years, they would have lost. found some way to lose <laughs> that game. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree with that. I remember watching the game and you, you think back of all those times you, that the Blues have lost it at the last minute and it runs through your mind. But, you know, credit with credit to you. They were able to hold on. But, uh, yeah, how about you, Joey, mate? How did you see that one? Oh, mate. <clears throat> yeah, it was a bit of a nail-biter at times. And, you know, when I watch these Chiefs and Blues games, I'm always interested to see momentum shifts. And in the game, the Chiefs had, had the lead. Just like the week before, they failed to put up the throat and just keep it there. And they let the Blues back. I mean, Blues is my team, but they should never have been allowed back, especially after um, a really good try by Bosch here. Just take the game by the throat, by the horns, all by the horns and just go with it. But I think they're lacking dominance in their, in their back. And they're also lacking a bit of cohesion at the back where that poor fellow, um, Alain Marlowe, 
got injured, I think. Did he because uh, Caleb landed on him? Yeah. It's a big so yeah, and um, you know, look, it was it was nice to see that Matt Duffy try in the opening minutes. Um and you know, it almost it almost felt like the blues of old where we score these exciting looking tries in the opening minutes and then get to a bit of a lead and then you know, just keep the lead all the way through and have teams chasing us rather than the other way around. Um that was a nice after that um that Duffy try. It was good to see um, the leader get get over the line as well, old Paddy. Uh, Ponsonby, proud Ponsonby man. <laughs> Thought I'd throw that one in there. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's a, such a shame to see the Chiefs 0-7 now. Because, um, I, I, you know, when, when they're strong, New Zealand rugby is, you know, it looks pretty good and but yeah, look, it's time for them to be, I guess, the rebuilders for once. Joey, Joey, yeah. Joey, don't, don't ever, don't ever back down, mate. There are the, there are the culprits of all those zero and nine jokes, zero and ten jokes. Now, mate, they gotta just cop it and take it on the chin, man. Yep. So, Roger, I hope you're listening from wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice you men mentioned Matt, Matt. It's nice that you mentioned Matt Duffy there because, you know, it's good to see him running again and scoring track. Ever since um, <laughs> Nadolo sucked the life out of him when he, <laughs> when, he when he went flying, um, yeah, haven't heard much from 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 Matt, the old album Storm guy. But yeah, that no, was good. It was, it was good for his um, confidence, you know. Yeah, hey, but boys, I'll get you guys a quick, quick question just on that because I know they've had Bodie at 15, but now what do you guys think? Uh, Bodie at 10 and Matt Duffy at 15, are you guys happy with that? Or uh, now that Black looks like he's back, would you rather go back to the old way of or Teddy Black at 10 and, and Bodie at 15? How, how are you guys seeing that selection? Mm-hmm. Anyone want to take it? Sully, I'll give you, yeah, a, yeah. give you a crack at that one. What? Put your selectors head on, mate. What, what, what would you be doing? Oh, I'd stick with Bowden at 10. Uh, the only reason being is that uh, the, he's one of those players that he gets... The more he gets involved in the game, the more the team that he's playing for it dominates the game. And we saw that early within that maybe first 20 minutes. Like, he was heavily involved. Um, and it just opens up everything for his inside and outside channels. Um, at the same time, when he... W- like he's always catching the ball from fullback and looking to distribute or looking to kick, and he's really hardly take, uh, taken on the line. Whereas at first receiver, he's got a forward on the inside and most likely, a f- if not a flanker or a Lucy or a ten in front of him. So he's always going to back himself when when he sees that options or those choices. So I, I want him at ten. I want him to be more of a driver from from first receiver rather than at fullback. And just it, it was good to see his communication as well with um his uh, with both nines as Philly Christie's been playing really well, um and Sam Nock when he came on so um I'll I'll still put him at ten not to fault Otiri for anything he has he's played really well if anything he's probably put his body on the line more than more than Bowden but you know Bowden's body is probably worth um two million more so um for now I I'll, I'll still stick with um with Bowden at ten. 
Hmm. Yeah, I was, I was stuck with um, Bonnie Barrett at 10. Um, Matt Duffy at the back, you know, if it was up to me and, and the whole team was healthy, I'll put um, Stephen Perfetto out in the back in 15. Um, can Oteta back play 15? I haven't seen him play can he, before. Can no, I said. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Matt Duffy, he's been a bit 50-50 and he's done a couple of bad things, but, you know, he had a good game, so he, he probably deserves another shot. Um, yeah, so yeah, I agree with you boys. Hey, Bode, Bode at 10, at least for this weekend. If things start to go horribly wrong, then at least we've got a plan B where we can change things up. Um, guys talked about Patrick Tuiplotu. He did a great job. He's doing a good job captaining the team and leading the team by example. But another guy who stood out for me was that Kurt Eklund, the hooker there. So, you know, I know we give James Parsons a lot of grief, but he has been the guy. There hasn't really been any other genuine hooking option, so he's been unopposed. But this guy, Kurt Eklund, looks like he um, he's, he's played well the last couple of weeks, so he could be the hooker that we've waited for for a while while on there. And one thing, you know, I'll say, I was watching the game um, I was watching the game with uh, a couple of friends, and one of my mates said that, you know, I was going back to these all-black selections, if there was an all-black test on the weekend, that he would have Rico Ioane as a starting centre for his all-black team. On the uh, on the weekend, I sort of looked at him a bit funny at first, but then the, the more I thought about it, um, he's you know his skills have gotten a bit better. His running game's always been there. We talked about this in the in a previous podcast, Joey, where you had mentioned that he's a strong ball runner, and that uh, that that's why he was an outstanding winger. But we saw that try set up with Matt Duffy. He's got good hands now. His defense has gotten a lot better. His, his defensive reads. So I just ask you guys a quick question about the All Black midfielder uh, midfield. Where do you guys see? Rico Yuani, and who would you be starting in the midfield for the All Blacks if there was a test coming up this week? Joey, mate, I'll, I'll give you the first word on that one, seeing you brought up uh, Rico Yuani in one of our previous pods. Um, Rico, 13, I would have um, inside him at 12. I know this is probably going to be controversial, but my, my guy is Anton Leonard-Brown. Um, just purely because I think the two in a black oh. jersey would complement each other. You're going to say plumber. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, like I I can't um, I can't go away from Anton Leonard Brown when it comes to international games and the point of difference he has of being able to slip tackles better than your. You know your stock standard twelve or thirteen, even. Um, I think Rico Ioane has matured, um, not just as a Super Rugby player, but as an international player. I think his hands are the type type now. He's at a level now that he could easily put the likes of George or um, Seba Reese away, and I think those two are probably going to be the the wingers anyway. Sorry, you didn't ask about wingers, did you? <laughs> well, if they're the wingers, then, that, you know, Rico's got to find another position. So, you know, it could be. How about you, boys? How have you guys seen that, that all-black midfield? Uh, let's just say in a hypothetical, we needed to pick a, a test match starting uh, midfield this for this weekend. Who would you be having in the midfield there, Sully? Um, oh, that's hard. Because I, I like Anton Leonard-Brown as well. And... 
man, he played really well on the weekend. You could tell he was hungry for it as well. Made some pretty good defensive um, plays as well. I probably didn't get the ball enough in his hand in, in attacking space, but I'd I'd have yeah I'd, I'd actually agree with that. I'd, I'd have Anton Leonard Brown at twelve and um, and Rico at thirteen. I think they both complement each other. Uh, the th the reason why I like those two is because Rico he can play finesse, but the way he's been playing at centre is more of a a power centre. He likes to take on the line and get his hands free to free um free up his uh, outside. Uh, runners, um, and then if you have Leonard Brown there, who's can pretty much be like a second playmaker, he doesn't kick as much. M maybe something that he could probably work on, but it doesn't mean he doesn't have that skill. Uh, but he's got really good distribution skills as well. So um, I'm not too sure if you guys remember against the Crusaders that whole first half. Um, you, if you watched it closely, Rico made some great cutout passes, um, and that was at full speed. Um, and you know, um, Rico's natural position is, is centre but obviously just with the sevens background um, they just always push them at wing so um, he, he's definitely got the skills I think he just hasn't been given the opportunity to showcase them not until this year uh, not until this season so um, big reps on Rico um, but yeah I would agree with Joey I would go with that midfield if anything because Lomapi is injured as well if we were to go form form midfield it would probably be Lomapi and, and Rico at 13 but yeah, uh, I can't fault uh, Anton Leonard Brown. He's he's pretty good as well. I think for me, I'll, I'll, if there was a test to be happen to happen this week, I'll I'll, I'll play the safe game and I'll I'll put uh, Rico on the bench and he can come off as a as impact. Um, I'll just stick to the the, the midfield fullbacks, Anton Leonard Brown and Goodhue or um, or Eno. You're a big Eno fan, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> nice. I think it just shows the, the depth of the midfield. And someone, you know, it's unfortunate that Lomape got injured, but it might make the selectors' job a bit easier, which means they might not have to cut, make some hard decisions and cut anyone. But if it was me, I would have good Hugh, good Hugh at 12. Um, I think he can play both. He can play power and he can play finesse. He's got all the skills and I'm a huge fan of his. So it's interesting. I think it just shows the depth that we have that we can't sort of say that this is a definitive midfielder. It just keeps the position. But um, um, yeah, seven losses now. That's a new record for the Chiefs and that record is falling on Gatlin. He's supposed to be the great, the great coach, the great redeemer. So um, we had a joke last week, Cam's, where you mentioned maybe he's been up in the north too long, or sort of a, a comment made in jest. But now that they've got such a record, and I'm not sure he looks a little bit out of touch. But how have you guys? What do you guys made of, of Catlin and, and his coaching in the um, so far in the Super Rugby? Do you think he's at fault here? Do you think there's deeper issues at play there with the Chiefs? I did not, in my wildest dream, think that they would be the team at the bottom, and I didn't think that they'd be. Owen, whatever they're up to, Owen six now, and Owen seven. Seven losses in a row. So, what are you guys making of the Chiefs, and what are you guys thoughts on Gatlin? Uh, Sally, mate, have you got anything to uh, any ideas on the Chiefs? Um, oh yeah. Uh, so, uh, if we're if we're honest, they're probably a couple of couple of calls, couple of plays, um, and it would have been the result would have been the other way. Uh, I feel like they've just been real unlucky. Uh, 
one thing about the Chiefs, they're not far off. Uh, so maybe this year is just a just a nurturing stage for Gatlin. Um, probably just getting his feet wet and just getting uh, acclimated to how the game's played down here. So most of his playing style is is all based off like the dominance of of the forwards, um, and obviously offset piece. Um, where that's strong in the northern hemisphere, but down here, um, most of the forwards are all mobile. Uh, so, trying to trying to implement his game plan, as well as working with how the forwards are built down here, probably hasn't um, flourished as well as he expected it to be. But in saying that, like you know, before lockdown as well, their team was were going really well. So maybe it might have been just unfortunate situation of. Lockdown, everyone else got to catch up. Um, and then just them, they just haven't really taken that next step there compared to the other teams. Uh, if, it, if they had pulled off the win last night, as well as the win last week against the Chiefs, you know, it's a, it, it's a whole different conversation that we're having right now. So um, I, I reckon next year, the Chiefs will be the team to watch out for, only based only because I know the type of coach Gatlin is and the type of leadership group he's got with the players. They don't like losing, and you can definitely see it with their post-match interview. So they, they've got something brewing there. It's just a matter of um, letting it flourish. Definitely won't happen this year, but I believe in they would probably do well definitely next year. Nice. How about you, Joy? You know that's your neck of the woods, brother. Have you got um, any thoughts on the Chiefs and Gatlin's coaching? Um. Yeah, I think it's it's, a, it's purely a case of Gatlin finding his feet back in New Zealand, New Zealand-based players, and help to his coaching methods and coaching style more than anything. Like just like also they said, you know, they've been close a few times, <clears throat> and um, yeah, but obviously did get to finish off, you know, these these games. But I think with Gatlin himself, he's, you know, everyone knows that he's here this season and then gone next season back to the Lions and then back in 22, 22 and 23. So I, I'm re I reckon as a redeemer or to redeem the Chiefs, I think that those will be the two years that he'll focus on more than this. And this will be a great for him. Help the Chiefs back to winning, winning glory. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think he, he had it ever in his mind this year to that he would come here and just get results like winning winning the title on his first season back. So yeah, the Chiefs have a long way to go in terms of their rebuild, but they're right there. They're right with the best of them. So you're talking of methods uh, and styles, and they'll be winning ways. Yep, nice points there. Um, I, th I think it shows also the strength of New Zealand rugby there, where you know if the Chiefs are the weakest team in New Zealand, or based on the points table, then I think we're in a pretty good spot. Like I've been watching some of the Australian games. And it's chalk and cheese how far ahead we are. And if the Chiefs were playing in that Australian Cup, they'd probably be up, you know, first or second over there. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good problem from a New Zealand rugby perspective. That that just to have to say that that's the weakest team and they're pretty good. Obviously, the mm. Chiefs fans won't be happy to hear that, but um, 
yeah, I, I think that on the whole, New Zealand rugby is in a good spot. But um, yeah, good win for the Blues. And uh, have we got anything more to add on that before we do some previews, boys? Anything else? Uh, just for me, um, um, so I, I played varsity, um, and and played with uh, with uh, with the brother Kurt, and I just I'm just like I, I we're not that close, but um, I'm but I'm just like just knowing his story and where he, the grind that he's had to take and the path he's had to take to get to where he is now, man, he's like, uh, I'm, I'm proud of him, but at the same time, it's just like how everything's, everything has just fallen into place for him. Um, like you guys said, like, you know, James Parson being injured as well as the Oso Ray, you know, that was a bit un unfortunate as well, but it's just opened up an opportunity for another uh, player such as Kurt to come through. So, um, um, like he's had to go play outside of Auckland, but he's a Auckland born and bred through and right through, and just to see him take the journey, but still come back and still be able to represent Auckland, man, at, and just seeing how well he's doing, um, and yeah, the, the, it's very inspirational, but as well as very encouraging to see the bro do really well. Oh, nice. Yeah, good. It's always good to hear these stories and see some of the the guys coming through the club scene as well. You know, there was that pathway. So it's good, you know, just for any of the listeners out there who are trying, if you're trying to just stick with it, like to Declan, that's a good story that he's got. And some, a lot of other players have come through that way. You don't have to be this this prodigy, um, you know, 16, 17-year-old and it's what your future's already decided type style. There's multiple ways to get to where you're going. So that, that's that's pretty good. Um, one thing I will say, yeah, Blake Gibson and Jared Cowley, Toyoti, they celebrated their 50th game for the, for the Blues over that weekend. And our friend of the podcast, Adam Thompson, that was his 100th game of Super Rugby. So congrats to all those guys. Um, now we'll do some quick previews, boys. Um, on Saturday night, Chiefs and Hamilton are playing the Crusaders. So, Joey, mate, I know that's your neck of the woods, bro. How are you seeing that one? I think the Chiefs will um, will get up for this one. Uh, Homegrown advantage. Going to make their season. So why not work? Because you know it's going to be, it's it's basically. So I, I think, and they're going to really go for it. So. I'm, I'm nice. How about you, Cam? So how are you seeing that one? Chiefs, Crusaders, and Hamilton. Man, <clears throat> my my heart's going to call this one. So, you know, I've been rooting for the Chiefs, man. I've been rooting for the Chiefs this weekend. I think they're going to do it. Eh? I've said that how many times. In the podcast, she was gonna do it. This is the time, you know. <laughs> so you know, what? What better time to win a game than against the champion Crusaders at home in Hamilton? So something for the crowd over there in Hamilton. The city of the future. I reckon they're gonna do it. <laughs> city of the future. Yes, they're gonna do it. Chiefs. Chiefs will win. Oh, nice. And Sally, mate, have you got a prediction for us and how are you seeing the game there? Chiefs Crusaders? Um, my heart says uh, the Chiefs, but yeah, I think the Crusaders, the Crusaders will probably get up. Um, the thing we're worth forgetting as well is the Crusaders haven't had a back-to-back -back loss in what, four years? Or probably longer than that. Um, so the last time they've lost is like 36 games ago. And they have, I'm not too sure what the record is for their last back-to-back -back loss. So, um, 
It'll be good to. It'll be. I reckon it'll be a really good game, only based on the fact that Chiefs have got nothing to lose, and then the Crusaders have been coming from a, from a loss themselves, and a game which they pretty much got dominated for 60, 70 minutes of the game. A uh, bit of pride. Um, both teams will be playing for a bit of pride. Um, but um, yeah, I've I've got the Crusaders getting up. I don't want to. I don't want them to. But yeah, if I'm going to call it down the middle, be weighing more towards the Crusader side. If anything, though, I think if 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 if, if Warren Gatlin wants wants to show us what kind of coach he is, all he's got to do is look at that Hurricanes win and break that game down and try and implement it for his team this weekend against the the Crusaders. And I think I think that's a good chance for him to uh, redeem himself this weekend. Hmm. Yeah, I I think what oh, we talked about this on the the other the when the Crusaders played the um. Canes, how much they missed Havili, and I, he's out. He's basically out for the season, so that's a big loss. He's such an awesome player for them, but I'm with you, Salih. The Crusaders do not lose two in a row. And it doesn't matter what the Chiefs bring. I think that the Crusaders they just have too much firepower, and you, you know that the Hurricanes have poked the bear, and I think they're going to come out, come out firing. Um, I think the Chiefs they've had um, Aaron Cruden on the bench for the last two games. I'm not sure what that's about. Now, if he's trying to finish strongly or something like that, but uh, I think they they, sh- they got to start him. They got to give him as much time as possible, and he's got to come up and aim up against Moonga. So, you know, I think the Chiefs it'll be closer than probably I would have normally thought. But but I, I give them the Crusaders are going to win it. I think, in my opinion, they're just too good. And yeah. Two losses in a row. I, I'm with you, Sally. I can't remember the last time that happened, and I don't think it's going to happen this week. So, uh, yeah, good mix. Here. We've got a two and two mix. So, again, it's going to those games that that's happened on the podcast normally turn out to be really good. So, uh, keep an eye out for that game, and uh, we'll look at Sunday night's game, boys. Or Sunday afternoon, sorry. The Highlanders are at home against the Blues, so that puts the uh, the Hurricanes on a bye. So, Sally, mate, I come to you first, mate. I know you're a diehard Blues fan. How are you seeing that one, Highlanders, Blues uh, down in Dunedin? Yeah, it's going to be a tight game. Um, I feel, uh, or I'm hoping, so Tutu will be back this week. Um, I reckon he would probably be um, a big factor in the game because most of the most of the games that the Highlanders have clawed themselves back in or one has been off the strength of their their forwards um, and and Aaron Smith. So what we need to do is probably dominate the the forwards. We need to stop them from going forward and then we need to give crap ball to to Aaron Smith. So um, if if we, I'm hoping, I reckon the Blues should get up and their defense hasn't leaked that many points. So um, I reckon it'll probably come down to, I, I, yeah, I probably got it within, within, within 12. Um, I think probably within seven, to be honest, as well. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I, we we should have it um, in the forward, uh, in the backs. So I'm hoping that Burden takes another step um, up in terms of his play at first five, and I'm, I want to see TJ and um, Rico have a bigger, a better game, um, and see them dominate as well. Max Ali has been pretty quiet probably the last couple of weeks. Probably just the game hasn't gone down his way. So hopefully he gets a bit more involved, and um, it'll be good to see him get over the line as well. Nice. How about you, Cam? Smite? You, you seen that one? Have you seen that one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, 
agree with Sally. I'm going for the Blues on this one. Um, and yeah, and if they name Hoskins Satutu on the, on on starting lineup, that will make a big difference. Will almost make things um make me feel easy about the <laughs> about the result if he's named on the on the starting lineup. So no, I think um yeah, I think I think the Blues will win this one. Yeah, Joey, mate, you got you got some thoughts on this game? Yeah, mate. Um, as much as I like to see Hollanders play some awesome rugby and you know win some games, um, I'm with, I'm with the, the boys where you know I think because of the time that the game is going to be played, it's going to negate the home field advantage that Hollanders will have. And Forsyth Bar, some of their better games have been at night. So I don't know about you guys if you agree, but the games that I've seen of the Blues play in the afternoon matches have been amazing um, from a rugby fan perspective. You know, they've, they're have they not afraid to chuck the ball around and see, see how they go with it. I think Mark Talia will have a good game this week because it'll suit his, his style of play. But then that, that comes down to how much ball he gets. And like Sally said, you know, if we can get some good go forward up front with, you know, the forwards trucking along and producing some quality ball for, you know, for our halfback to dish out, then there's no reason why Martilia can't have a standout game. Um, Highlanders, they're not going to have enough firepower, I think, even though they've got some good leadership and experience there in, in Azza. Are we allowed to call him Azza? And Aaron, Aaron Smith, and, um, you know, so... For me, it's a Blues victory, and we'll, we'll be happy days again. Yeah, good thoughts there, boys. It's interesting. We do these podcasts before the teams get named. So I saw um, in an injury report that Hoskins Satutu was due back today, but obviously, you know, that's still up in the air. And if he plays, he's such a big part of the Blues team now, even though he's still a relatively young man, but... Yeah, everything good that the Blues do, he's often a big part of it. So hopefully he'll be back. And it's good, interesting you mentioned Mark Talia because we talked about the Highlanders back three a little bit before. So they've got guys like uh, Ngani Ponivai and um, Josh Mackay um, and um, Scott Gregory. They've got these young, outside, inexperienced outside backs who have been found out a little bit um, while they're still trying to find their feet in this competition. So if they can get a bit more width and get guys like Mark Talia uh, Caleb Clark and these guys a little bit of space. I think they could potentially kill that back three that they got. Um, so that's that's a good call there. I agree with you, Joey, on that on that call there uh, on the wings that we got. So hopefully we can get them a bit more quality ball. The kicking game could be crucial as well with that back three they got back there with Bodie. And I think that um, they probably will stick with Bodie at ten. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, Black gets on quite early. If they're trying to exploit those back three with the kicks. But I'm also going for the Blues the Blues to uh, take that game out. So it's good. we got a clean sweep on that one. I might put a cheeky 10 bucks on it. <laughs> but, yeah, boys, have you guys got any last thoughts on that one before we get into some some conclusions and stuff? Yep. Where the hell is DC and what's the story <laughs> with him? He's the water carrier, mate. He, that's his job now. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. He's been touted to return for a while. So, yeah, maybe he'll get a game this week, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I just want to see him at least play one game. 
one game. Yeah, because be there for me plays. Then I think uh, you've got to feel sorry for Altered Black because you know he won't be in the team. <laughs> um, Bowden Barrett at ten, maybe DC at fullback. I don't know. Look, it hasn't been tried, has it? No. Or even just do it the other way around. DC. Oh yeah, 10. the other way around. Yeah, burden at the back. Yeah. I'll probably um. Yeah. If anything, I'll just get rid of Plummer and just put DC in there. Even if he's got an injured foot, I'll still have DC out there. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, Plummer only played two minutes. We got Sinbin. I'm sure DC's got two minutes in him. You know. So yeah. yeah. It sucks. I'm eh? still not good call. Good call. Got to follow up on that DC. I'm not sure it is. Mm. I think I'm still not convinced by Plummer because of his bus stop tackles the other week. Oh mate. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I was just gonna say it sucks being so hard on on a kid. Eh? Like you know, grown men picking on this 20 year old something. Uh, but you know, it's just just for people to know, we, we're not attacking the person himself. We're just attacking his. The, the the rugby player on the field and that's all it is is what he does on the field and it just ends at that but in saying that man yeah he is uh, you're right last week I, I, I watched I was at the game and honestly you know this whole um, La Mape put respect on his name kind of if TJ was there he would have locked him down you know like just just like yesterday's game the second five as well as Leonard Brown didn't go anywhere because you know like I don't know what um, Leon's doing in terms of his selection, whether he's monitoring their minutes or something like that. But you know, TJ, he's he's like the organizer of the backline as well as the defensive leader. Um, you know, this he's pretty much like a forward. The amount of carries that he has to take carrying into forwards, and then on defense, you know, you really see him miss the tackle. Um, so, yeah, if anything, um, yeah, like not not hating on Plummer. In, in terms of the person, but yeah, we just, I'm sure we all agree that TJ should have started last week, just like he started last uh, yesterday as well. Yep. <coughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We actually gave Plummer a bit of um, bit of a rough ride last week on last week's podcast. <laughs> and when he came on with the game on the line and got sinbin if they had lost it from their head, beginning another grilling, <laughs> uh, poor guys, I'm, I'm glad... <laughs> I'm glad that that, that didn't uh, impact the game because uh, yeah, he'd be getting another roasting on this podcast. But yeah, good good call on that. You know, we're not it's not a personal attack on him. He's just um just highlighting some flaws that he might, some work on. I'll say for the forum. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, one thing that come through and we talked about this again on the previous pod that the selections, um, if they get the selections right, the Blues have got a pretty strong team. But, um, yeah, when they get it wrong, then sometimes they can get exposed a little bit, boys. But, uh, yeah, if we haven't got any more on that game, boys, um, we'll just go around the table and give some final thoughts, some general thoughts. Um, so, Cam, I'll come to you first, mate. Have we got any final words? Uh, yeah. Um, just uh, I just want to ask you guys, like, uh, so what do you guys think of the the Akanaloa rugby team that's proposed up in uh, Hawaii and their entry into the M? LR competition they got in the USA? Good question. I think, um, I think they, it requires the full support of the Pacific Island community, especially the ones who have been advocating for 
uh, Super Rugby PI based team for years, the way I have. <laughs> um, from a social media perspective, anyway. Um, I think those people who have been uh, frustrated at the treatment of Pacific Island rugby players who have had the you know the one or two caps for the All Blacks and then discarded to go and have these long overseas contracts, never to play international rugby again. I think if you're one of those people who was who has been frustrated by the non-relaxation of those laws, where you know it's been one country for life, I get it. I totally get it. Respect it, but. I think um, those types of fans like myself need to get them behind this kind of law train um, and support it any way we can. Um, if that means a sharing of a post that has kind of that is about kind of law, so be it. Let 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 us create more awareness and more attention to the fact that we've got this team now that we can back as Pacific Islanders, as Maori, uh, Polynesians. You know, a team that's based in uh, Oahu and um, South Auckland's going to have a base for it as well. So, sure, NZ Rugby is going to have a, an option, or they're talking about an option, an idea to introduce a Pacific-based, Fijian-based uh, Super Rugby team or whatever. But that's been a long time. You know, they've they've had twenty years to do something like this, and now they decide to do it when we're talking about kind of law. So that's that's the camp I'm in. I'm in the kind of law camp, and I'm willing to put uh, it all the way. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Joey. We've actually shared some of the kind of law stuff on the kind of Facebook page, so you check it out there. If any of our listeners are looking for some extra info, but I know it's got some pretty strong backing from some former All Blacks who are trying to do some some good uh, with Pacific Island rugby and trying to help promote. Uh, Polynesian rugby and get them get them a team like they need a team somewhere. I mean, the amount that Polynesians, the strong Polynesian influence in world rugby, and they can't even get a, a single professional team in anywhere. So uh, I, I think that's you know that's that's a pretty dire situation for us to be in. You know, rugby's been professional for 25 years, and they don't still don't have a professional team given everything that. Polynesians contribute to it to rugby worldwide so I'm glad that this this is half getting off the ground at least and it's pushed New Zealand and Sanzo or whoever it is the powers that be to to get uh, uh, um, their Polynesian team up and running their Pacific Island team in Super Rugby like, look look how quickly they got off the ground this kind of, kind of law teams comes up and then what four six weeks later they're able to get a, a Pacific Island team in Super Rugby just like that you know, after all their 20 years of excuses about why it can't happen, now kind of law comes along. Oh, yeah, sweet. Here we go. We've got something sorted in a month's time. So, you know, if, if that's sort of the catalyst for change, then I'm, I'm all for it. And uh, I'm with you, Joe. I'm going to try and get behind it. Plus, I mean, it's, it'll be good to have a second team. If you've got a team that you're supporting based in Hawaii, there's another boys trip. Just go over there and say you're watching the team, you know. So I'm on board with that for sure. I was looking up the what the criteria was to get into the MLR and what so sort of what the kind of law rugby organization had to do so 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 there was like four things right so there was um you had to pay a registration fee to the tune of like nine million dollars a year as well as your um because you had to prove 
that you could stay in the competition for for multiple years, and then you had to um, you had to give a case for for a stadium plan, not your own stadium, but have a sort of like stadium plan where you can have facilities, car parking, and whatnot. The other thing you had to have was a professional management group. So I think they've got that under it's Tracy and Matt Atzinger. Yeah, they've called themselves the Mercury Group. Yeah, and then the other one, other other criteria was they needed a, a business plan that needed to be uh, evaluated every year. Uh, I think all of the stuff they've put put together, and all they're doing is just waiting for the MLR to approve it in 90 days. I don't know if the Super Rugby Pacific Island team, because they're ahead in it too, eh? If it doesn't go into plan of the MLR. Are they going to just come back down and to, to join the Super Rugby? I don't know if they have a plan B. Hmm. Yeah, I know that the thing is they were speaking with um, the head of New South Wales Rugby because he was trying to get the Pacific team based in Sydney. So they yeah. had requested a meeting to see if that was possible. Um, the the Artingas were doing the kind of law and that, that didn't really go anywhere. But um, yeah, they're, they're trying to get involved either way. I think they're trying to have... See, if, if they can be part of that, then they'll happy to, happy to do it that way through Super Rugby. But they just want to get a, a Pacific team, a professional Pacific team. I think that's sort of their number one goal at the moment. Yeah. And I think the the biggest case for that is that they'll like they'll get more audiences, especially in the in the South Pacific. Mm. Mm. Which is true. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We'll definitely be following that kind of law story a lot more closely and probably bring up further some podcasts. Yep. But you got some thoughts there, um, Sully? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it, it's Hawaii as well. I think me and Cameron are talking about it. Like, um, Yaku wouldn't want to travel to Hawaii for a game, you know, go there early on in the week and play on the weekend, you know, and then hopefully you got a Friday game and enjoy Saturday and Sunday in Hawaii. So, um, I think in terms of um, the kind of law team, what it also helps is helps to globalize the game in terms of having a direct route from the Pacific Islands through to the states. Um, and the way I've, I've got some mates who've, who've um, signed contracts over in the MLI and it seems a lot more friendlier compared to the ones that they sign in Europe in terms of eligibility to still come back and play for their home nations. Um, I knew some French, um, some, some of my mates who play out in France, they said that one of the major clauses in their contract was that they weren't able to come back and, like, say, represent Samoa, Tonga or Fiji, whereas in the MLR, they, you're only there for the extended period of the season, and then one of my mates he's coming back and he's like, oh, because of lockdown he's had to come back, but he was able to play. He his contract was he plays there for six months, comes back and plays ITM here, so he's still getting the best of both worlds in terms of getting the money, um, being financially sorted in terms of um, looking after his family, but still able to come back and tune up on his skills and and play against you know the best players in the world. So. Um, I know MLA is still trying to grow their sport um, within their own country as well, but the job that they're doing is pretty good as well. So, uh, being I think rugby now being an Olympic sport in terms of sevens has probably helped to push the case, especially for USA rugby, and in terms of um, growing the sport with uh, growing the sport within um, America as well. So, getting a PI team and a Y team, you know, there's there's heaps of passionate Islanders as well as uh, as well as Maori that would love to get behind this and whether they want to come through to super rugby or to the MLR, I'm pretty sure everyone should be on will be we should everyone should be on board for this because like like I said, it helps to create a direct route for all, all our Pacific Island talent to be exposed 
to the America, uh, the American rugby scene. The other thing I found out was that one of the obstacles for their application was um, was the cost of travel. So in case MLR teams on the east coast of USA, like Toronto and New York, the Canada Law Rugby have said that they would pay for their <laughs> accommodation and flights to Hawaii. You know, to just help them out. Well, they must have some strong financial backing. They haven't really, well, I haven't seen anything on who, who's backing them financially, but um, yeah, it must be pretty pretty strong guys if they can think they can afford that. Oh, you didn't hear, Stacey. <laughs> um, it's uh, Kuila Ippa no, no. is um, financially backing uh, the Hun. The kind of oh. love team. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the, 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 lost, the lost millions. <laughs> he found that lost millions under his mattress. <laughs> nah, but that's the conversation me and um, Cam were, were having a chat about because that Mercury group will probably be part ownership, but like that 9 million registration fee, not that doesn't include paying for your players as well as your... Um, your whole management setup in terms of on and off the field um, and then the stadium as well. So you're looking at probably 30 million off the bat for the first season. So they must have some sort of like like a, a big financial backer um, to that probably wants to see the, the game grow within Hawaii. And uh, I mean, they'll, they'll be great for, um, for rugby. And the only thing is I just hope that the, the Atingas actually follow through and hopefully if they do get the green light that everything is done so that it succeed uh, that it succeeds on a long term basis, not just a one hit one hit wonder. Um because there is, like I said, heaps of potential and um yeah, it would be great to to have our players obviously go through to Hawaii so that they're still exposed to America rather than flying pretty much all the way to the northern hemisphere just to play in the, the UK and, and, and in Europe. But yeah. And also, if you look on um, past years of the MLR, there has been teams that have done the same thing, went through the process of expanding, uh, as a um, coming in as expansion team and, and and not pulling through in the last minute. So you had the LA Coast, which did all this. They had the new logo. They had the team. They had the team. They had all them. They all they had all their management. They had the stadium. Only thing they didn't have was the money. So they were just short. Oh, yeah, it's interesting, eh? Interesting. So, mm, that's good. We'll definitely be following those developments because, yeah, this is an important uh, milestone in the future of potential uh, Polynesian professional rugby, which is a big part of what we're trying to look for in the uh, the Counter-Rack uh, Rugby podcast. But, um, yeah, boys, have you guys got anything else to add on the kind of law before we uh, begin the wrap-up? No? All right, good stuff. Um, Sally, mate, I'll come to you, mate. Have you got any final th- Final thoughts, just in our closing up? Um, No final thoughts, it's just... Again, just in the rugby in general? Yeah, just in rugby in general. So I've... um, Yeah, so um, I hope the Blues win this week. I hope they win convincingly, only because it just betters their chances in terms of contesting for that final... Uh, for, for that cup. Um, also, I'd like to shout out to uh, Papatoi uh, Rugby Club, especially the Prem's development team that I'm... Um, currently having a run with as well uh, so major shout out to them and just again shout out to you boys for having us on um, always a pleasure to be on and I mean if, to be honest it just feels like a blues panel eh? everyone's just supporting the blues <laughs> but um, yeah like again thank you again for uh, thank you again for having us on and um, 
yeah, can't wait to, to listen um, to what we have in store coming up as well. Oh, nice, brother. Yeah, cheers for coming on, bro. Um, how about you, Joy, mate? You got some final words? Oh, I heard they also say Pub Toy Rugby Club shout out. Awesome. I, uh, I donned those colours on the weekend <laughs> against my beloved Ponsonby. Oh, are you, are you in uh, the, the, the last cell team? Yeah. Oh, nice. Unfortunately, we lost. Fifteen twelve. Oh, nice game. Nice. Game. It was nice. Nice. It was nice to knock the dust off the the rust off. Um. So yeah, I'll see you around the clubs. <clears throat> yeah, sounds good as well. Um. I really want the Chiefs to um, get this W against the Crusaders. That's probably the biggest thing on my mind, and hoping the uh, the little Neff gets on. It's in a nice air tour, especially now that LA Marlow is uh, looking not good, looking injured. So, um, you know what, I'm 50-50 whether I'm going to go to the game, actually, just to see see the victorious Chiefs occasion. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, hoping the Blues, the Blues get the W against the, the Landers. And, um, yeah, really looking forward to that. How about, how about you, Cam? Have you got any final words? I don't know you didn't really get to say what you wanted to say. Sort of kind of law stuff. <laughs> no, no, I'm all good. Just want, um, want the Blues to win and, uh, and the Crusaders to lose. Just just like uh, last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we actually do need that to happen. Um, and just on that, you know, this, the competition, this whole competition has been really good. But, you know, that Crusaders loss on the weekend where they suffered, that's... um. It's made the competition far more interesting now. So we've got just three competition points separating the top three teams. So the rugby in this competition has been outstanding, but I can't help but feel that we need a final. We need a final to finish mm. the competition off properly, just because it's quite close at the top. And, you know, with no international competitions coming up on the horizon, or well, in the short term at least, you know, I, I think we could probably chuck a final in there because we'll be, you know, weeks with no rugby. So they should just make it happen. New Zealand rugby should just put a final in there and given what we've seen so far and the renewed interest in, in rugby in this country and the game here, it would be a sellout. We know that for sure. And it'll be a ratings blockbuster because we're one of the best competitions going around that's still going and one of the only competitions that's still being played. So uh, come on, New Zealand rugby. Get it together. Let's have a final at least, I reckon. But, um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Um, yeah, so, boys, um, thanks for coming in. Uh, I just want to say thanks to all the listeners for joining us. For another episode of the Counter Ruck, uh, the Counter Ruck is available through the usual podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many, many more. So wherever you're listening to podcasts, you'll probably find us on there. So keep listening. Um, yep, thanks again, boys. Like I said, for being part of the pod and sharing your rugby knowledge and enthusiasm. So Joey, Sully, Kems, thanks, boys. We'll be on again next week. So join us again then. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, bro. Fuck. Sweet. <laughs>